Hello, everyone, and inside today's episode of Locked On Canadians, the Habs won a game on PK Subban night at the Bell Center in Montreal. There was a triple low five. There were many tears. There were many goals. We have your entire recap and of the entire night. And then because it's Friday, we have listener questions in the mailbag, and we will be answering all of those and more inside today's show. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 764 of Locked On Canadians. As always, we are your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast, and thank you for making us your first list of the day. If you're listening to us wherever you get your podcasts, or if you're watching us on YouTube, also thank you for subscribing. Please make sure you ring the bell to get notified every time we post a brand new episode. And given that it is Friday when you are listening to this, that does mean the Friday mailbag is coming up in our latter two segments. But before we get anywhere even remotely into that we got to talk about the game against the Nashville Predators a lot of goals a lot of fun stuff happening and before we get into the game itself we have talked about this before uh it was PK Subban being honored at the Bell Center and it was every bit as emotional as we expected it was shorter than we expected and it ended with probably the best thing that any of us could have hoped for it was Carey Price surprising P.K. Subban at the Bell Center and them hitting that triple low five one more time before they both likely ride off into uh, the sunset here, uh, so to speak. Uh, and I'm going to turn it over to my co-host who I failed to introduce because I am so excited to talk about this. Laura, it was emotional. It was perfect. It was, it was P.K. Subban at the Bell Center. It doesn't get any better than that. Honestly, I had so many feelings watching the video of that speech. I watched it twice uh, while the game was going on and while, you know, in the intermission. I um, I got so emotional. There was this one point where he's talking about uh, Mila that he brought out with him, one of the children who's been uh, who's been benefiting from his charity. And I think that's where I got really, really emotional, just talking about how, you know, he was thanking all the fans that continued to support his charity even after he left the city. Um, that to me was like a huge moment. Then obviously that he, you know, he was getting ready to say goodbye. And then all of a sudden you hear the crowd get loud all over again. And you know what's coming. And it is the triple low five. And it was, it gave me all the feelings. It gave me all the feelings. I know some people were calling for, you know, Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield to do the triple low five. They have their own thing at the end of the games. I can't do it. It's like something, but the triple low five is from a different era. It's from a different Habs core. It's from a different Habs uh, like personality. And it's part of the lore of the Canadians that it was banned, right? By the coach. And, and, you know, it was, it became a no fun team for a long, long time. And so I, I, I just think it's so beautiful that that's how it ended. And that hug and that grin on Carrie Price's face. I just think, you know, and, and they were both like, you know, Carrie Price was his signature, uh, you know, um, cowboy outfit, all black and, and PK Subban with his signature, extremely bold put together style. 
Um, it just, they, they looked so good. And you just think about how young they were when they first started playing together. And now you're looking at the time, you know, it's, it's now over a decade later for Carrie Price. It's been a decade and a half. It just puts like such a nice bow on it. But I think to me, I was just so happy and relieved that the fans welcomed him so, so wholeheartedly because it's PK Subban. I was expecting uh, some negative reaction. And we did get a little bit of that on, on the socials and the replies and on the Facebook and all of that. Not us. I just mean in general. But it was easy to tune out. At least it wasn't to PK's. Like it wasn't. They didn't ruin PK's welcome. Right? Yeah. And the thing is, the game was a perfect encapsulation of what PK Subban hockey was about. The Canadians came out and they just blitzed the Predators for a good chunk of this game. They were very good. This was a high event hockey game on both sides. It was exciting. Had they lost this game 4-3, you know what? We'd have the same feeling going into it because they played exciting up-tempo hockey. Jesse Olenin gets his first assist of the year. Jonathan Drouin gets three assists on the night. Cole Caulfield scored twice on the power play, which did not know that was a thing. It was a very fun game, and we talked a lot earlier about they got to give Slavkovsky more ice time. 16-03 in all situations tonight. His arguably his best game in a long time. He was involved in all facets. It was such a fun night of hockey, and I know some people are like, ah, oh, well the tank and, you know, losing in this, they're going to lose again soon. If you can't take your mind off then this is actually something that ties into one of our questions uh, in the last, in one of our mailbag segments is allow yourself to enjoy the moments like this because the Canadians are not a good team. We've talked about this. They showed some, you know, faults there, but at the same time they got the win and that's fine. It's not the end of the world that they won this hockey game. Who cares? It's it was a special night. The Canadians and it don't. Was a fun often... game. It was such a fun game. And that's it. Is that they played excited? We played like we want them to play, and like they and they could have had you know five six goals in this game, and they got unlucky. Evgeny Dodonov and Jake Evans stopped on breakaways. Caulfield missed the net a few times on pat on plays he normally doesn't miss. I mean, it, it's just it was a good fun game and that's all we can ask for from the canadians in this situation they got a pair of games this weekend they got the islanders on saturday and they got the rangers on saturday mid afternoon mid evening five o'clock i don't know why i mean before they go into those games and lord only knows what they're going to entail i'm glad they had something fun like this send the bell center fans home happy honestly especially on a night like this and that's exactly it. As a fan, I'm happy. I wasn't at the Bell Center. I wish I were. Uh, I wish I was. But it was, you know, as a fan, I'm happy. Like, because that game gave us enough to get into. So often we've seen as Canadians fans, and I'll wrap it up, but we see like there's a big ceremony or, a night, or an honoring or something. And then the game itself, they come out flat, right? It's not just the whole, the whole game's usually a dud. They often lose it. Like there's this emotional come down off of it. And in this case, it was the opposite. The Canadians had a great start to their game. It's something we've wanted them to do because in the last few games, we, we've been, you know, lamenting the lack of a start at all. Like they'd be like putting themselves in a two goal hole or sometimes even three goals. So this, I like as a fan, I'm happy about this game. How many of them are we going to see this season? This team sucks. Like, you know, 
Um, but like you saw all the players and like all the players that were complaining are passengers and not showing their worth to potential trade partners. Now they're doing this. So I like, I don't know why we're complaining. It's good. It's great. It's fine. Everything's going to be okay. We're going to be okay. It's not that deep. Enjoy hockey where you can. And we got to see Evgeny Dodonov on a breakaway tonight. I don't think we're going to see that at any other point this season. So enjoy it while it lasts. And speaking of enjoying things, it is our Friday episode. And that means Friday mailbag time where we take all of our listener questions. And we're going to dive into that coming up next. But first, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. If you are looking for a great way to start your morning, something to refuel after a workout, or just to snack on when you're at home doing stuff around the house, Built Bar is there for you. It's healthy, covered in 100% real chocolate, and they have so many incredible flavors in this protein bar. They got churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond, something for everybody. And we're not quite sure how they do it, but they pack only 130 calories into this and 17 grams of protein. Everything your body needs to fuel up and get through the rest of your day or whatever you are trying to tackle. And you can go to built.com, check out everything, get it sent right to your doorstep. But you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club now if you want to go out while you're doing your shopping, grocery shopping, whatever. You can get them there as well. Go pick up a four-pack of boxes or four-bar box, whatever, at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. Or like we said, check out built.com. And remember, code LOCKEDON gets you 15% off your first order. Everything you're looking for in a protein bar, you can find in Built Bar. We are back. It is Friday. That means it is the Friday mailbag episode, as always. And if you want to send us questions at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter, LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. If you've got a little bit longer that you want to expand on and in the YouTube comments, just, you know, don't be a jerk. Pretty simple concept. We love to answer literally anything. Uh, so please, if you ever have mailbag questions, we put out a call for it on Thursday. Send them to us whenever you get the chance. Laura, what is in our mailbag today? Well, I'm going to start with a birthday shout out. So one of our listeners, Tyler, who's a very frequent commenter on YouTube. Hi, Tyler. Uh, wanted to wanted us to wish his dad, Kevin, uh, a happy birthday. His birthday was January 9th. So a happy belated birthday and so rick maybe consider putting uncle kevin in your as the what is it as the puck rolls <laughs> as the puck turns um a soap opera next time you ask us a question about the wranglers um so yeah so happy birthday to to tyler's dad kevin thank you so much to both of you for listening to our to, to our show and watching us on youtube uh scott we've got tons of questions I don't know where you want me to start, but let's do this because this comes up every once in a while. And I love redoing it every single time because we always we have the same opinion is in that the Habs should do it, but it's not going to happen unless let me just read the question first. Question for the mailbag. Nick Suzuki has a brother, Ryan Suzuki, who is currently signed with the Hurricanes. Do you think the Habs should go after him to get the brothers together? What do you think it would cost to get him? So I think that unless... And until Ryan Suzuki is traded to a team that is not the Carolina Hurricanes, there is no deal happening between these two organizations. Yeah, and I can see that right now. Uh, he's played just 10 games for the Chicago Wolves this season. He has six points in those 10 games. I don't know if he is currently injured or if there's something else going on there. He had 14 points in 34 games the year before and 10 in 26 the year before that. He hasn't. But that was also a COVID-shortened year. Things are weird. Rookie season in the AHL. 
he looks like he's still finding his feet at the professional level as a depth piece to add into this team as a prospect, because I do think he would be a very good prospect to add, but he's getting to the point that he should break into an NHL lineup at this point, And he doesn't have all those, the same amount of games under his belt quite yet. I'm all for it. I do not think the hurricanes will go for it because Tom Dundon and Don Waddell seem to still be holding a grudge based on previous ownership groups and, or sorry, front office groups, not ownership groups here. So I don't know what the ask of that would be. I'm not opposed to it though, because one, you could run a Suzuki, Suzuki Caulfield line just for all the giggles and grins that go with that. I just don't see it happening because I assume Carolina is going to ask the world here. And I don't think any of the pieces that Canadians currently have up for auction, so to speak, are going to appeal to an analytically inclined team like the Carolina Hurricanes. I agree with you in general, but like I said, and listen until he's on another team, we don't even know what it would, what it would cost to get him. Uh, so our friend Richard, the architect, hi Richard, uh, also ran into Brendan Gallagher a few days ago and, we, and he was wearing the, the, the butt, whatever, the, the protective boot. Yes. Um, and, and Richard's question is, the Habs are reaching that point of the season where morale is dropping and the young rookies are inevitably going to get slowly sent over to their rocket. In the case of Slavkovsky, I think we have many options to call up, but it's not so simple when it comes to the back end. Laval themselves have injuries at the back and no real replacement to cover the NHL spots that would need filling if we send Harris, Jackye, and Barron over. Looking around the league, or maybe Baudin, Looking around the league and potential emerging trade partners, are there any decent value defensemen that you've noticed this season that you believe could be a shrewd acquisition acquisition to fill a role on defense for the rest of the season, either as a low-key trade on its own or as part of a bigger deal? Brett Kulak. I mean, yeah, I also look at apparently the Oilers aren't, I don't want to say not thrilled with like Evan Bouchard, but like Evan Bouchard strikes me as a guy with upside because they don't want to lose Philip Broberg. He was their, you know, big first round pick a few years ago. And I wonder if someone like uh, Evan Bouchard is he's NHL ready. He can play an NHL game right now. And I'm wondering if they go, okay, Evan Bouchard, and then we can send Justin Barron back down we can call up like a Corey Schooneman and maybe give, you know, one of the other younger guys some more time in Laval to, you know, round out if they need that kind of break there. It it does it does um um I w- I wanted to say streak of me and that's not the word I'm looking for in this saying here. It does smell a bit like it's going to be a Western Conference team there, someone that's out of the division that one is looking to contend this year and that strikes me as the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, they called up someone from Bakersfield, uh, Vincent DeHarnay, who I think in a lower risk trade, I think he's not going to be an NHL star anytime soon, but he's someone that the rocket could depend on in that role there. And I think that's important because God bless William Trudeau playing a ton of minutes. He wasn't even expected to be in the pros this year. And I, I am curious uh, in the forward group, like you said, they can yo-yo people through here. They have bodies for that. You can call up Yolona and you can call up Harvey Pinard and rotate them through. You can give a guy like uh, Anthony Richard another shot there. Um, and then once, you know, 
OHL seasons, QMJHL seasons and stuff. And you're going to see those guys move in. We very may well see Sean Farrell before too long at the end of this year. I think they're going to coast with it because the Rocket have been playing well, just not getting results, unfortunately. And I think they like that process that these guys are playing well, even against the odds here. I would like to see them acquire another, even if it's a tweener or someone that allows them to send Justin Barron back down for the time being. I think that is something that should be right at the top of Kent Hughes's list, though. Before we move on to the next segment, I just want to read a post-game quote. Um, and this, obviously, most of our post, post-game quotes we get from Priyanta on Twitter, uh, Habs in High Heels. Uri Slavkovsky seemingly memorized P.K. Subban's speech. Oh, yeah, it's a great place to play hockey here in Montreal, because once you put everything out on the ice, they will love you forever. Reporter, you memorize the advice from P.K. word for word. That's good. Uri Slavkovsky laughed while tapping his head with his finger. I'm a smart guy. If you haven't seen them trying to figure out what uh, CGEP stands for uh, on TikTok, please do, because it starts <laughs> with Uri Slavkovsky looking at Caden Gooley and Arbor Jack and going, well, I don't speak English, so it's <laughs> it's a riot and a half on that. Wait, are, wait, so, are they trying to figure out what a CGEP is? Yes, they're trying to figure out what it stands for. <laughs> it's right. it, I'm not going to spoil Caden Gooley's big reveal at the end there, but just trust me. <laughs> Tune in and check it out. Is You're it on not the gonna... TikTok, you said? It is on their TikTok. And also the uh, Rhab subreddit Twitter account also posted the video. <laughs> well worth your time. Uh, we are going to get into the rest of your mailbag questions all coming up in our next segment. But first, today's episode is brought to you also by our friends at betonline.net. They're your number one source for all your sports betting info, odds, lines, props, news, analysis, everything you need in one convenient place. And we know you love sports podcasts. You're listening to us right now as we're doing this ad. And trust me, you can find even better ones at betonline.net. You can find everything from MMA and boxing to golf. Obviously, the NBA is in full swing. NCAA uh, basketball is in full swing. Hockey is going on. The NFL playoffs start this weekend. BetOnline has you covered. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more. And remember, BetOnline, it's where the game starts. We are back. It is the final segment of our Friday mailbag. They always come far too soon. A truly disappointing fact in all parts of life. If you want to send us questions, please tweet us at LO underscore Canadians or send us questions at LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. Laura, what else do we have in the mailbag today? Okay, so is Hootay the Cincinnati Bengals? Is that okay? I believe so, yes. All right. So this is a Bengals fan. Avid football fan is the display name there. Um, <laughs> mailbag question. This is more for Scott because he covers Laval more. How impressed are you with Norlander's development and how NHL ready do you think he is? At this point, what's his realistic NHL ETA enrolled? Same question applies to Barron, but I want to add, I thought he didn't look very good when he got called up a bit ago. Are you concerned at all about Barron? Now, when we did our episode with Sebastian High, we all forgot Norlinder in our in our in our depth chart. And in my mind, I think it's because he's already been traded away. So Scott, what are your thoughts on this? I'm gonna start with Barron simply because I don't think they've put him in a great position to succeed at the NHL level. He shows flashes of where what he's best at with the puck on a stick offensively. I do think he needs to play a lot more in the AHL this season. He was coming into his own there. And I'm not worried about him. He's still very young. He just turned 21. I think he was just finding his groove. He got named to the AHL All-Star team for a reason. 
and was a big part of the Rocket bouncing back along with Nikola Bodin, who is obviously injured right now. I think him coming back would be a big get for the Rocket, and that's not to say that I think he's playing poorly. He's just not being put in a situation to succeed, I think, at the NHL level right now. And as for Norlinder, it's it's been tough because he's battled through the injuries, including the one in last year's playoffs where he got concussed in game one against the Amherst. He make every now and then he kind of makes a play and gets caught out of position. But I've noticed more and more that he is trying to get back to the guy he was before. He's more involved in plays, but also him defaulting to safer plays isn't necessarily a bad thing because sometimes you can't play hero puck all the time. And he'll choose the dump in or the safer passing option instead of shooting or skating it deep. Sometimes you want a little bit more. I think his realistic ETA is next year for the NHL. I think he's going to get an NHL look here or there as the season winds down. His defensive play has come a long way. He's getting better positioning and using his leverage to take guys off the boards and to cut plays off. It's still a work in progress. However, it's not what I would consider a strength, but he is working harder on getting in the right positions and being in those spots at some expense of his offense. He can still be a good power play quarterback. He can still be a very good third pairing defenseman. I just think from where his peak was a couple of years ago before injuries and some other things, it's dropped a little bit, but I'm not writing him off just yet. Um, I think there's still talent there. He just needs that confidence to use it all the time. I agree. Absolutely agree. I'm so sorry, Scott. I was on mute there for a second. So we've got a mailback question from our friend Boondoggle. Is there a way the Habs could win first and second overall in the upcoming draft if Florida misses the playoffs? Who would you draft second? Roll the dice on Mitchkov? Someone else to accelerate the rebuild immediately? Trade down for a young talent already in the NHL. What you do is you draft Connor Bedard, and then you draft Adam Fantilli, and then you tell all of the teams to give you a King's Ransom for them. And I think that's it, too, is that you, you, don't, you don't galaxy brain this. You take Fantilli and you take Bedard. And for it to happen, Florida needs to really bottom out here. Like the Habs have a chance to get first overall where they're at now. They would need Florida to, I mean, plummet. And I don't see that happening. So I would love that to happen. Like Florida's chance of getting uh, first overall is tiny, tiny, tiny at this point, uh, unless they fall off a cliff, which entirely possible. It's, uh, it's not going to happen, unfortunately. And, Unless someone is calling to offer you like, hey, we're trading Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl or an extremely high-end player to get into that top two in the draft there, you you don't even bother. Unless you're getting like another first-round pick, top-end prospect that's NHL ready. The package to move up to number two, because I don't, you don't trade pick number one. You take Connor Bedard. The package you would need to direct for the second overall pick has to be gigantic. And I mean, like, franchise, you know, altering kind of uh, trade package for that, especially in this draft this year. Same listener. I think it was Jeff Merrick that reported that Eric Portillo may not want to sign with Buffalo. Is he a goalie the Habs should target? We talked about Devin Levi uh, last week or the week before that. And quite honestly, yeah, sure. Why the hell not? I mean, 
the Habs lack a truly established goaltending prospect in uh, inside their ranks right now. Deshaw has promise. Dobish has promise. Emma Croteau is still very young. Caden Primo's up and down a little bit. Portillo's numbers at the University of Michigan have been solid in his time there, a little bit down this year, but at the same time, still a very good NCAA goalie. Uh, compared to Levi, he's six foot six, 225 pounds, 22 years old. He's Swedish uh, as well. I do think because Dev, the Sabres is going to come down to are they keeping Levi or are they keeping Portillo? Whichever one they're not keeping is who the Habs are going to, I think, go for at some point. I have to double check what the date is before those players become a free agent because leading into the draft, I can see the Canadians taking some of their draft capital and trading it for the rights to these players. It won't be a lot, mind you, because you still have to sign them. Remember the Jimmy VC trade. Um, but if it's Portillo, if it's Levi, the answer is yes. you got to roll the dice on it because they don't have another professional ready goaltending prospect beyond Caden Primo and he's battled his own inconsistencies at this point um and so we've got a couple more questions one of them is from our friend Danny across the pond questions the single oddest thing I found as an Englishman now following hockey is the joy at losing and anger I see at winning because of the tank it's so alien to me to want to lose so I'm trying to get my head around how this draft lottery and odds work can you explain it please why doesn't everyone who isn't out of the playoffs get the same exact odds to draw? Who, sorry, I, I guess he means everyone who is out of the playoffs get the same odds to draw Bedard to stop this non nonsense. Or why not give those who place in the playoff positions a higher cap for the following year? I mean, I watched a fantastic last two periods against the Blues. Have a look on Twitter, and it's nothing but outrage that they didn't lose. Is this what happens when you don't have relegation from leagues and greater perks for winning? A little bit, yeah. Um, I do love the soccer relegation system a lot. Every every match matters. The biggest thing is, and Michael Blake McCurdy has been a big proponent of this, is it's called gold drafting. Is that from the moment you are eliminated from the playoffs, the you want to earn points because the more points you have after you are eliminated secures you a higher draft pick. So the Canadians were eliminated last year and they end up with first overall. They didn't end with the most points, though. I can't remember which team it would have been, but the Canadians would have drafted like third or fourth overall in that. And I wasn't for it originally. Now I look at it and go, it's actually kind of smart because it stops teams from doing what like the Sabres did years ago, where they literally traded everything that wasn't nailed down to try and draft first overall. They still didn't win, mind you, but... Uh, it is a very weird thing, and I still wrestle with it a lot, is that I want them to draft Connor Bedard or Adam Fantilli. I do. It's You also have – cheering for a team to lose is weird. I never cheer for them to lose. I cheer for them to at least try at this point. And that's the hardest part is that it you are cheering for the future success of the team, not the current success. It is a very weird feeling to grapple with, and – it, it, it's different for everyone. Some people are happy like they're losing because I know what lies ahead. And some of us who talk about the team every single day, five days a week for six months, uh, sometimes want them to win so we can have a happy podcast afterwards. So it's a very conflicting thing. And even two years in, I'm just kind of like, 
I don't quite know where I'm at, I'm at on it. Like, I want them to lose, but I at least want them to show that they give a crap uh, on a given night. So I want to say it was Down Goes Brown that kind of thought of this, is that, like, the system should be, and again, I'm crediting him, uh, but I'm not 100% sure, uh, where as after you're eliminated from the playoffs, like, the team with the most points percentage after they're eliminated from the playoffs, like, wins the lottery, right? So, like... Whether you're eliminated on, you know, in January or in March or whatever, like it's really like it gives you the the opportunity to kind of um, like continue to play well, to continue to try. It, it's like it's the every game matters kind of concept with relegation that we're talking about. So I really appreciate appreciate this question, and I think it's something to like definitely think about. But it it, it seems like very simplistic for North American sports to just be like, all right, we're going to reward the worst team because we want the loyalty from the fans. We want them to keep coming back, right? So again, that's just something that like I, I definitely think it's like it's it's a North American thing, and it's definitely like it feels like a consolation prize essentially. Um, and obviously, it also generates parity, blah blah blah, all of that. Uh, we have time for one last question, and it is from our friends at the Blazing Pucks podcast. Do not listen with your children in the car, uh, but definitely check it out. Uh, <laughs> mailback question. Since Martin St. Louis compared his players to puppies, name three players and their puppy equivalent. Nick Suzuki is a golden retriever. Very smart, very cerebral, very loyal. The leader of most situations. Um, Cole Caulfield is a Corgi. He's very small. He's very fluffy. He's often kind of a troublemaker in some regards. Uh, and Arbor Jack Eye is, I'm not going to say a pit bull because that's the wrong thing for that. He's like a Tibetan Mastiff. They're very loyal to the people, like the land and the farms. They protect the animals in the farmstead there, the kids and everything super, you know, friendly with all them. But if you mess with them, he will bite your face off and no, everyone will be like, well, you, you you shouldn't have done that. And then he'll just kind of go back to just being this giant fluffy mess of an animal uh, until you try to do that again. And then he will bite your face off a second time or punch your face off in the case of actually Arbor Jack Eye. I like it. I, I also I thought you were going to go with Cole Caulfield for Golden Retriever. But Corgi works. Like, I love Corgis. We can't have two Golden Retrievers on the same team because Golden Retrievers all share one brain cell, like one, like Orange Cats all share one brain cell, and they can't share it at the same time. So they have to be two separate dogs. That's just how uh, dog science works. Um, okay. Carly, if your sister's listening to this, please tell her I didn't say this um, for any reason whatsoever. She's a vet and a lot smarter with animals than I am, so... Um, that's it for questions, Laura. That's it for questions. We have some more, but we're going to move it over to next week because there's, we're out of time and they're, and they're not super, super time sensitive. Yes. Uh, as always, if you want to send us questions at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter, lockdowncanadians at gmail.com or in the YouTube comments, make sure you subscribe and ring the bell to get notified every time we post a new episode. Obviously you can find us wherever you find your daily podcast. You can follow Laura at The Active Stick on Twitter. You can follow myself at Scott Matla. And folks, we will see you all next time.